listening to the Jay's Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Ari Shapiro. And on tonight's show, my first guest is someone you can find on TSN, and he does work with the OHL. He's a celebrated broadcaster, host, reporter, and writer. He's been in the business for many years. I am, of course, talking about Tony Ambrosio. And following that, we've got the host of Good Show on Rogers Sportsnet, the Fan 590. J.D. Bunkus drops in to talk about these Toronto Blue Jays. And what a stretch of time it's been for speculating what the future holds for this organization. As each day passes and I'm asked to make more and more radio and podcast appearances, on top of all the great feature content that we bring you here at the Jays Journal, I'm absolutely stunned to realize what a wide scope of opinions there are on the future of this team, all ranging from, again, the proverbial half-glass-filled optimism down to the half-glass-empty cynicism that comes with a year well, quite frankly, with the kind of year that you never would have imagined. The more and more I kind of do a post-mortem on this 2017 Toronto Blue Jays season, the more it strikes me as being a complete and utter indulgence of surrealist thinking. I mean, just think of how many things could have conceptually failed with this organization or how many things could have gone wrong, and just about all of them did. And hopefully with some insight from Tony and JD, we'll get a better perspective of what to anticipate as we turn the page, go ahead first into an uncertain offseason and even more murky 2018 Major League Baseball season. So as promised, I'd like to bring on my next guest here on the Jays Journal podcast. He does fantastic work with TSN and is a broadcaster, host, reporter, and writer who's been in the business for many, many years, almost, what, I think 20 years, and has become a household name around these parts when it comes to baseball. Tony Ambrosio is on the Jays Journal podcast. Tony, how are you? I'm very well, Ari. Thanks so much for the invite. My pleasure, my pleasure. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while, and, of course, I will be, I can tell you already in advance, I'll be asking you to come on one of the roundtables that we'll have next week. But right now I'd like to do a quick one-on-one exchange with you to get your thoughts on what's setting up to be a, a, an off-season of complete and utter intrigue. Let's start, though, with your thoughts on this 2017 season and how you believe fans should supposedly reconcile a 76-win campaign. Boy, great question. I think if you are drinking from the glass is half full, you're going to say, oh, there were a lot of injuries. That's not going to happen again next year. We have too many star players. We'll be back. If you're drinking from the half-empty glass, you're saying we're an aging team, injuries are going to happen when you get old, we're in trouble. Um, I think they're somewhere closer to the half-full side, and I really think that this offseason, and and tell me what you think, I think this is the most important offseason for the Blue Jays probably since the 1990s with Pat Gillick when they were on that precipice of winning the World Series in 92 and 93, because with Josh Donaldson, you've got a top 10 major league player. Do you build around him? Is the blister on Aaron Sanchez going to be okay? Can Marcus Stroman do what he did? How does Jay Happ and how does Marco Estrada respond? You've got a bullpen that seems to be quite good and affordable. I mean, this is a team that I think has a lot of the necessary pieces in place, but they need to do things this offseason to get over the hump, and that's why I think that if they do the necessary moves, we could be back in the playoffs next year. And again, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't know. But I really think that they're closer to being a playoff team than being a 76-win team next year again. That's a a really interesting perspective because you so succinctly summarized all the, quote, 
priorities on this team. Of course, yeah. I neglected to mention one that may just, quite frankly, tip the scales in favor of a little bit of rose-colored uh, application, and that is Devin Travis. That is a hole at second yeah. base that worries me maybe even more than any of those other points you mentioned. Uh, let me ask you this, Tony. Doesn't it really come down to confidence in the prospect base of the team and in their capacity to properly develop these athletes who are supposed to step in and provide more of a natural, organic fix rather than having to go out and spend money what is a very limited 2017 free agent marketplace? Yeah, I think that's a very valid point because when you look at the Red Sox and you look at the Yankees, those are two teams that have been forever spending big-time money. But if you look at their star players, the Aaron Judges, the Mookie Betts, they're all homegrown, organically developed, as you say. And I think that's what the Jays hope they have in Bo Bichette and uh, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., although I don't think they'll be part or big parts in 2018. I think you're looking at them maybe more so in 2018. 19. So I agree with you, and I think this management team of Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins in a perfect world would like to build this team more organically and maybe slow the building process down. But when you have a conglomerate like Rodgers owning that team, and they saw what happened in 2015 and 2016 with attendance, with buzz, mm -hmm. with ratings, with advertising, I think they want to keep that going while still rebuilding. And that's why I think this offseason will be so fascinating to watch to see what they do. You're right about Devin Travis. And the sense I get, Ari, is that the Blue Jays are not counting on him next year. Yeah, They're going to go right. forward mm -hmm. thinking, thinking he won't be part of the process. He will not be a reliable member of the team. If he is, that's a huge bonus. And I will say this. I was talking to a Blue Jays season ticket holder who said he got a survey from Rodgers which in essence asked him, do you want the team to blow it up? Or do you want the team to keep mm -hmm. doing what they're doing to keep? Like, in essence, the question was, sign Josh Donaldson or not, what do you think? And I found that really fascinating, that if that's the question air they're sending to their season ticket holders, how much that'll play in what they decide to do with Josh Donaldson. That is intriguing. Intriguing because it really tips the hand of the organization and how they're being cold and calculating yes. and making some of these important decisions. But now let's throw a little bit of intrigue into the mix by addressing the fact that they fired, I think, 22 or 23 members of the organization, many of whom were affiliated with the PR marketing side. How do you perceive that, Tony, as a, as a broadcaster, as a journalist, as a sportscaster who's been in this business many years? Should fans be scratching their heads and wondering, are they just trying to control the message more effectively because it was a tough year of needless controversies, or is it maybe simply the result of them trying to make sure that they stay focused with the fans, keeping them hungry, and letting them know we plan to contend for knowing the same breath we're going to read them? Yeah, that's a great question. My initial reaction was disappointment and anger and confusion, because some of those people let go are people that I consider friends of mine. Um, and I think what they're trying to do, and I think you hit the nail on the head, is control the message. Although I think, you know, the message has been pretty positive for the most part that they're getting in various media circles. The negative messages they're getting in the various media circles are because of the injuries and they're because of guys not performing well. Well, how do you control that message if in 2018 guys are hurt and guys aren't playing well? So I really think it's an insult what they're doing to 23 hardworking people. And I really think that they better hope 
that there are not too many bloggers or people like yourself with podcasts who rip on the team because of what they did, because how do you control that message? So ironic you mentioned that, considering that about a week ago I was invited on uh, a very uh, popular blogger's um, podcast, Kareem Kanji Downtown, and he happened to catch me when I had had maybe, maybe a few extra drinks and a little bit of kind of uh, <laughs> self-medicated perspective. And I think for an hour, I went and basically unfiltered myself and made it absolutely clear that if you're going to be this, again, cold heart business model, where at the end of the day, you want to justify optimal value, the question now becomes, how do you consider Josh Donaldson as being either a direct uh, correlated business asset or one that can be transformed into many other assets. And so I'm asking right. you to put on the Ambrosio GM hat here. You know, oh you, and I hold, okay. you, and I, you and I hold these baseball truths to be self-evident, that the Toronto Blue Jays yeah. need to make up one year to get to Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., that they have controllable players until 2021 in a nucleus of Asuna, Sanchez, Stroman, and the aforementioned broken Travis, do you, Tony Ambrosio, sign Josh Donaldson in lieu of these facts? Yeah, that's it. That is the million-dollar question, and that's why it is the most interesting offseason. I believe that they should do everything they can to sign Josh Donaldson if the numbers are right. Now, if you're Josh Donaldson and you saw what Bautista and Encarnacion in their late 30s got, that they were struggling to get $20 million a year, and I, I hate to say that because it sounds so harsh, but you'll understand the, pro, the role of the pro baseball. That yeah. if I'm Josh Donaldson, and if the Blue Jays offered me $22 million a year for four or five, I would have to seriously consider, because also keep in mind that right now, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado will also be free agents the same time as Josh Donaldson. Harper and Machado are much younger than Donaldson. He, they will probably take the chunk of the free agent pot. So I believe that if the Jays really are smart, they will work out a deal that is both financially viable for him and for the organization no more than the four or five years, I think you'd do it. If Josh Donaldson wants more than five years, in my opinion, you do not do it, and then you try to make a trade. My only concern, Ari, and I go back to the Roy Halladay trade, who do the Jays get for Roy Halladay? Mm -hmm. Kyle Drabeck, it didn't work out. I think they had a, a, an outfielder by the name of Brown who didn't work out. He was then dealt for a player, and that didn't work out. And you were left with nothing for the final two or three years of a brilliant Roy Halladay career. That's the concern with anything if you decide to trade Josh Donaldson. The other concern, obviously, goes back to season tickets and buzz and excitement. And if you lose Josh Donaldson, how much harder does it become to even attract future free agents? or to get players to waive the no-trade clauses if, they, if you decide to make a trade for them. So those are all things to trade. But right now, as we speak, Ari, I say sign Josh Donaldson. If it's a five-year deal at $22 million a year, I would be hesitant to go to twenty-five. I would not go to $30 million a year. Hmm. Yeah, I am, I, what do you think? Am, am I crazy, Ari? Am I crazy? What no, no not at all. Not, not as crazy as it is to appreciate that Devin Travis is the last vestige of that holiday trade after we got mixed up with Anthony Bose, and I think he's pitching some. That's right. You know, some Excellent. That's a good point, yeah. Him. But uh, no question yeah. that uh, you summed it up in a way that a listener of my show will, will appreciate as being as pragmatic as it is a, a sensible baseball decision. 
Um, but again, this organization has demonstrated, especially what happens when they have to go to Plan B, how poorly yeah. the, the, the fallout of that was. Couldn't get Dexter Fowler. Kevin Pillar spent a full season in center field. Couldn't get Edwin Encarnacion put together Morales and, uh, and a, uh, Steve Pierce to try to patchwork quilt your way through it. And of course, we saw that in a year where everything went wrong with injuries, there just wasn't enough left on the team. You know, like, like me, I'm sure you were probably disgusted to see the caliber of the parts that had to be called up in order to keep the ship afloat. And that's why I've been arguing lately that the 76 wins, quite frankly, is extraordinary when you consider names like Miguel Montero, Luke Maley, Rob Refsnyer, Chris Copland. Like some of the names that played baseball in the city this year would never yeah. play on any other Major League Baseball team except for one that was caught completely flat-footed like the Blue Jays in 2017. Agreed. Well said. And that's why. Maybe, again, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I think they're closer to being a playoff team in 2018 than not because they somehow won 76 games despite all these injuries and, as you call it, patchwork lineup. So, Mm -hmm. And and I go back to my original statement. This is going to be the most, I think, important offseason for this franchise in uh, over 20 years. Tony, tell my listening audience here on the journal what you've been up to and where they can find you on social media. Sure. Uh, I've been working at TSN on the newsroom on the TV side. I uh, do a bit of radio on 1050, but uh, they seem to be cutting back, so not quite as much there. Um, I do some teaching at the College of Sports Media, radio and TV, and also a bit of writing on TSN.ca, and I can be found on Twitter at Tony underscore Ambrosio. You've been listening to Tony Ambrosio on the Jays Journal podcast. Tony, I'll be extending you many invitations for roundtables. They do get a little spirited, and I've got a feeling that that's going to be to you. Absolutely. I'd look forward to that for sure, Ari. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for being on the podcast. Our next guest here on the Jays Journal podcast is the co-host of Good Show with Ben Ennis and can be heard on Sportsnet The Fan 590. J.D. Bunkus joins the Jays Journal podcast. Welcome to the show, J.D. What's up, buddy? Listen, it's a pleasure to speak with you yet again because now we're turning our attention to baseball. And, of course, all my baseball listeners' ears have perked up because they get a chance to listen to you every day on the Fan 590. I know you've got a real appreciation for these Toronto Blue Jays. So let me start by asking you, J.D., do you have confidence in Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins? And should fans take them seriously in a year where everything that could have gone wrong essentially did? I would say that the only reason that you have to have confidence in them is what we are seeing in Cleveland right now. And I don't care about the playoff results with the Indians because it's baseball. It's an absolute crapshoot more so than any other league once you get into the postseason. Everybody knows that. Look at what's happened so far. So I look at Cleveland and I say, damn, that's a team that built from the ground up, identified a bunch of ridiculous talent like Lindor and Ramirez, and has built a real team. So to say that these guys don't have vision is obviously screwy because they have a track record of doing so. That said, with the Toronto Blue Jays, hard to see the same type of thing going on with them because, like, what's what's the best move that they've made so far? Maybe mm-hmm. drafting Nate Pearson, who looks to be a stud in the making, who's already the team's number one pitching prospect. I like that vision. But when it comes to free agent signings and pinching a couple of pennies, I thought they botched the Edwin Encarnacion signing. I don't view that as Edwin's problem. The guy wanted to see what he was worth, and they should have been patient. And instead, they rushed out and grabbed Kendrys Morales, who, I mean, they are probably looking to move him 
to a different team and pay his salary essentially because they don't want to have him on the books. Nothing that this team has really done since those guys took over has been a complete home run. There's been nothing that's been crazy. Justin Smoke was not their guy. He was already in the organization. Yes, kudos for him signing and having a terrific year. Great. Same goes for Jay Happ. Same goes with the Marco Estrada signing. There hasn't been an addition from these guys so far that has, has an impact at the major league level that I've said, holy crap, look at these guys. They've been incredible. So, yeah, I have faith. I'm not going to put myself out there and say two really savvy baseball guys with a track record can't get it done with a bigger payroll. But, yeah, I understand fan pessimism up to this point because it's been tough. It's not easy to see fan favorites like Edwin Encarnacion leave and get replaced by Henry Morales, who was arguably the most frustrating player on the team last year. I think it's pretty fair to say that it's been disappointing so far. There's been a lot of other ancillary stuff that's been frustrating as well. But I would say that this is kind of a let's see year for that team where I I don't think that you can write them off just yet. Something tells me you're not a big fan of rationalizing baseball decisions based on frugality, which is basically what the the loss of Encarnacion was uh, was interpreted as being. Well, I'm, I'm curious to if point, you think that, that a negative war with an $11 million player, you kind of lose the value of what yeah. the $11 million, if you recall, was all about, right? Right, and and that's my whole thing, is that it wasn't so much about frugality, because I think there is the right time to walk away from players. It was the right time to yeah. not succumb to demands, right? And you saw that with Jose Bautista, where the guy held court saying, this is what I'm going to take, and I'm not, I've already given my hometown discount. Somebody pay me, or I'm out of here. And guess what? They, the market bore out, and he ended up a Toronto Blue Jay. And I know that draft picks had something to do with that in terms of him signing. They, teams would have had to sacrifice a first-round pick. But ultimately, that's okay. There are certain situations when it's based on age, when it's based on production, how you view a player, that you have to take a risk and walk away. This one, to me, just it, it wasn't even so much about frugality because he ended up with a better offer from the Blue Jays than he ended up with the Cleveland Indians. The problem I had was the rush to market for a player that yeah. there wasn't necessarily a massive market for. They Everyone misread the market, as Edwin, his agent, but also the Toronto Blue Jays, and so they bear some responsibility there as well. No question, and it's interesting because we know that the the path to 2019 is lined with the golden bats of Guerrero Jr. and Bichette, but 2018 becomes the real transition year for this organization. Should fans, J.D., believe that there is enough minor league talent and upside for them to think that 2018 can be a competitive year, given how the organization is saying that they wish to both rebuild and contend? I would think it's foolish to believe that the Blue Jays can't contend next year when you look at their starting rotation. Aaron Sanchez wasn't healthy this year. Like, Look at all the things that have happened for the Jays to miss this year or to be a basically what were, they were a bottom feeder. Like, let's just say it like it is. They were trash all year long. They were garbage. The whole them getting back in the mix for a playoff race was a bit of a mirage, but essentially you ended up losing your ace and your starting staff. And Marcus Stroman had a great year, but Aaron Sanchez was your ace. That's who you thought you were going to be most successful behind going forward. Marcus Stroman uh, was, oh, sorry, not Stroman, but uh, Marco Estrada ended up having a bit of a down season said he was dealing with some personal issues, said he was still dealing with some health stuff, and I think that did affect the way that he was going. Look at who the team had in terms of organizationally coming up to pitch as that fifth or the fourth starter. It was a murderer's row of nobodies and <laughs> cannon fodder. 
if you look at next year going forward, they do. They have better organizational depth at the position. They have guys. What you're supposed to be able to lean on is guys that are at the AAA level that you can call up. Do I think that Ryan Barucki could be a guy next year? I absolutely do. Do I think that he projects to be in the starting rotation? Hell no. But if you lose an arm and you're asked to call up Barucki, who's had success now at basically every level, and that includes AAA, it was a bit of a confusing situation that he didn't end up on the roster at the very end of the year. But, yeah, you know what? You're going to have better starting pitching depth to buoy potential injuries for your team. You should come in healthier. You lost Josh Donaldson for an extended period of time. You had arguably one of the worst right field situations in all of baseball where you had a guy that couldn't play defense who was struggling to hit above the Mendoza line and Jose Bautista, but you couldn't take out the lineup because, you know what, he had earned it as a Blue Jay in a year where the team was struggling anyways. You lost Devin Travis, and you were replacing him with guys who couldn't get a hit to save their life in mm-hmm. Ryan Goins and Darwin Barney. You lost Troy Tulowitzki, and he had a down season. So it was just one of those everything-went-wrong seasons. And I, and I don't think that, again, the Jays have to make moves because if they come back next year with the same roster and the same batting order or slightly tweaked, or they're relying on Justin Smoke to have a generational season, or, and not a generational, but a career season for him, those would be mistakes. But they do have a little bit of money to work with. I think that they will try to upgrade their defense in the outfield and the corner spots. They should be able to get better hitting in the middle of their infield, which should happen. I, I don't expect Josh Donaldson to get hurt and miss as much time as he did. I don't expect Aaron Sanchez to get hurt. And, yes, that organizational depth that you talked about, the promising thing about that is not necessarily that the team has a blue chipper like Vlad that's ready to play next year, but that they have guys like K. Oscar Hernandez where it's like, hey, you know what? This guy can play defense in a corner outfield spot and platoon with somebody or get an everyday job if somebody ends up getting hurt and not kill us at this position, not be the worst guy ever to play the position. Mm-hmm. We have starting pitching that can come in and fill these gaps and fill these slots. So I like the organizational depth in that regard, but no, there's no blue chipper coming up that's going to save the team. They're going to have to spend some money. They're going to have to make a couple of trades. They're going to have to upgrade multiple positions, but I, I believe that the team should be competitive next year, and I'm not just saying that because, you know, I work for Sportsnet. No, and I'm glad that you put that important caveat there because my next question was to ask you to put on your 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 Bunkus GM hat and tell me, knowing how you've so succinctly broken down the various struggles of the 2017 team, and of course many of them caught fans completely off guard, especially the collective failure of the team defensively, the, the absence of any discernible speed game or any kind of spontaneous improvisational right. uh, station-to-station fundamental baseball. You throw in the player regression, you throw in the injuries. What would you make your absolute priority to make this fan base believe in the leadership of the club as a whole moving forward? thing that I think is most important this year, because you do have a bunch of guys that are, yes, the future of this ball club and Bichette and Vlad Jr., who you mentioned, and even Nate Pearson when it comes to the starting lineup, right? The thing that I want to add immediately for, to make this team contend is a bat that you can put in the middle of your lineup. Somebody that can go out and play a corner outfield spot and, may, and still give you plus defense, but that also hits. I don't know how they do that. It feels like this organization doesn't want to part with, uh, with prospect capital because that was the criticism that they had of Alex Antopoulos when they first came into power, quote-unquote. But if you look at it and say, what does this team need more so than anything – I think that it's a corner outfielder who can actually bop the baseball. J.D., tell my listeners what you're working on and where they can find you on social media these days. 
Yeah, you can find me at JD Bunkus on Twitter and on Instagram, and I guess on Snapchat too. Uh, and then you can also just listen to the show. Good show, one to four every day on Sportsnet Five Nine Ten. It's a good show, actually. I think it's a great show. Be sure to catch J.D. Bunkus and his excellent work on Rogers Sportsnet, the Fan 590. J.D., appreciate your time as always. Thanks for dropping by. Hey, of course, Ari. Thanks for having me, buddy.